0: Hey, Spotify, real quick before we get started, please make sure to follow us right here on Spotify. You might have to click my name, Bob Enyart, to see the follow button. Whoa. to the brightest audience in the country. Welcome to Bob and Yart live. I'm the pastor of Denver Bible Church. We have a short form talk show. So typically we don't take calls, but yesterday was a lot of fun. We did take calls and they were enjoyable. By the way, our phone number for ordering materials from our store, which you can get at kgov.com. Click on the store or one eight hundred eight 8 n one eight hundred eight three six nine two seven eight. 836 9278 On today's show, I'd like to share with you a few comments that I've posted over at Forbes.com on an article about Venezuela falling apart. As you know, we've been calling for an invasion of Venezuela, a humanitarian invasion. And they have just a great article there over by Tim Warstall. He's a fellow with the Adam Smith Institute in London. But Tim and I are going back and forth on a disagreement about economics in the comments, and so I'd like to share some of that with you. But first, I'd like to mention the obsession with Donald Trump's cabinet. What has happened over the last month since the election is that the media, they made so much money with high ratings on the campaign, they want to keep all that rolling, and they have effectively turned now the selection of the cabinet into a continuation of, Basically, what is a modern soap opera? 24-7 cable news, talk radio has turned the public's obsession with politics, our political leaders, into something like a modern obsession with soap operas, where people are tuning in every day to find out what is the latest, the latest scandal, the latest relationships, who hates who, who's making up, who's going out. So it's just another distraction from what is truly important. Well, having said all that, it turns out that speaking of things that are important, for example, upholding morality that God has revealed to us, including, as Jesus said, God made us male and female, and the Lord instituted marriage between one man and one woman, and sexual immorality is... aspect of rebellion against God and it destroys people? Well, Donald Trump announced that his nominee for Secretary of State is Rex Tillerson. What does that have to do with sexual immorality? Well, remember, Tillerson was instrumental in getting the Boy Scouts to go gay. You remember that? Christian leader Tony Perkins earlier this year endorsed Donald Trump. He should have known better because Trump is a socialist, he's intensely homosexualized and promotes homosexuality, he's a child killer, but at any rate, Christian leader, like so many others, Tony Perkins, who's the head of the Family Research Council, he endorsed Donald Trump then, before the election, remember when he said he'd be voting for Trump, even though that recording of Trump's horrific comments about women had become public, and it was so utterly shameful and embarrassing. So Trump is a child killer, a misogynist, a socialist. He's brought countless conservative Christians to their feet, cheering homosexuals, you know, a lifelong supporter of Planned Parenthood, and all the lies he told during the campaign, they were just standard fare for Republicans running to gin up their base. So now he announced Tillerson, the head of ExxonMobil, the CEO, for his Secretary of State, and yesterday, just before that announcement, Tony Perkins was lamenting that Donald Trump might pick this aggressively homosexualized business leader. Because Perkins recalls that Tillerson used his influence to push the Boy Scouts to go along with the sodomite agenda. And so sadder even than that, and the irony now of Tony Perkins lamenting this when he's part of the cause of this, of this totally known outcome of a Trump presidency What's also sad is that so many other Christian leaders, we expect to be silent on this and on many other sinful actions of their leader. We expect them to be silent or even defensive of how Trump will kill children, implement socialism, and so on. By the way, our youngest sons, Cheryl and I, they were scouts. Cub Scouts, then Boy Scouts. One almost earned the rank of Eagle Scout. We were in the program with Colorado's legendary Troop 999 for a wonderful 10 years. It was just the best. And we pulled our sons out when the Boy Scouts of America went gay. And we did that. We pulled them out not to protect our own children. That wasn't the goal. We were fully involved. You know, for all those years, I attended virtually every scout meeting. I remember going on the weekend campouts and freezing half to death. They were so much fun, though. I remember the week long camps and how great they were. So we knew that our troop, which was strongly Christian, would protect them and we would be there to make sure everything was safe and okay. And so, if we had continued, our sons could have the great advantage in life of earning the rank of Eagle Scout, because that really does open some doors, helps with some job interviews, and so on. But we pulled them out, not to protect them, but to protect other kids, and even the church that licensed the Troop 999 charter, because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know the frog that sits in the pan of boiling water? It's nice, warm, lukewarm water, and it's gradually heating up, and he doesn't jump out, and eventually he gets boiled to death? I don't think a real frog would do that, but that's the illustration. And that's what sin is like. Eventually, large numbers of children will be homosexualized through the Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scouts will help to make them hostile toward the gospel of Jesus Christ because the Bible affirms the sexual morality, the principles that God has revealed to us. And as Jesus said, God made us male and female, not with half a dozen different genders. Remember the founder of the Scouts back in England, Baden-Powell? Undoubtedly, he's spinning in his grave right now over there in England. You know, the Boy Scouts of America have demonstrated another BEL principle that institutions tend to become humanist, worldly, over time, within a century. That's so common. And even as we've often said, and as is written into our Denver Bible Church Constitution within three generations. It happens so often. So, we pulled our children out of the Scouts out of love and concern for our neighbors' children. And that includes kids throughout the country whom we will never meet. And we were thankful that other groups, especially Trail Life USA, you could find their website. TrailLifeUSA.com, that they came along. We've interviewed those guys, and they're providing a Christian alternative to the Scouts. Okay, so now this article at Forbes.com by a fellow of the Adam Smith Institute in London. His name is Tim Warstall, and he wrote really a great article about how in Venezuela it's all falling apart. Because of their socialism, their interventionism. And so a free market, when you intervene, it's no longer a free market. And it does tend to fall apart. It only works to the extent that it's free. Then you could do economic calculation. When it's not free, economic calculation becomes almost impossible. Like the four million toys that were just confiscated by the Venezuelan government. So if you are in the business of manufacturing children's toys in Venezuela, how do you decide how much money to invest to make next year's batch of toys? Well the government just confiscated the four million you had in inventory. So how could you make a calculation about what kind of investment? The more you have intervention, the less actual economic activity you could depend on, and the poorer people become. But before we get to the comments, let me share with you some of this article. So Tim Warstall writes, Venezuela's response to inflation just confiscate all the money. And it begins like this. The level of skill on display in Venezuela's socialist government is, as has been remarked around here before, quite something To behold. Not wondrous, but rather somewhere between tears and laughter as they continue to make nearly every economic mistake known to man. This is, recall, the tropical country, ideal for sugar growing, which ran out of Coca Cola from an absence of sugar. It's the oil exporter that ran out of Big Macs from an absence of a baker who could supply the role. The place whose currency has slumped 50% over the past month, imagine that a month, where inflation is expected to be over 2,000% this year. It's the oil producer which imports crude oil from the USA. A place where government has no money and yet until recently They quite literally gave gasoline away to everyone. Really, the state distribution company did not bother to charge gas stations for deliveries. And that's just hysterical. I'm thankful that Tim Warstall is just reminding people of what's going on in Venezuela. In order to deal with their chaos, they've decided to try to confiscate most of the money from most of the people. This will not work out well. Venezuela is pulling its largest current banknote out of circulation amid raging inflation. Doug McBurney and I talked about this yesterday. President Nicolas Maduro announced Sunday that the 100 Bolivar bill will be removed by Wednesday. The 100 Bolivar note is worth about two cents and is the most widely used bill in the economically ravaged South American country. This is the currency officially called Boulevard Fuerte, introduced at a value of about 50 U.S. cents in 2008. Fuerte meant strong to distinguish it from the earlier Bolivar, which they inflated anyway. 1,000 old Bolivars became one Fuerte boulevard. And now that's worth two U.S. cents. So at any rate, this great article by Tim Worstall ends with something disappointing. He took a jab at fiat money. And that's money that's not backed by gold, but it's backed by the confidence we all have that this currency represents transferable, incomplete transactions. In other words, I did work for someone... They gave me this currency and now I go to someone else, ask them to do work for me and I will give them that currency and then they'll offer it to a grocery store to get some ground beef and so on. So I commented, I was the first to comment on this article to Tim and I wrote this and I'll share with you some of the comments between me, Tim Warstall and other Readers there at Forbes.com. So I wrote another important article warning the world about the catastrophe that is Venezuela. Which responsible media outlet will be the first to call for a humanitarian invasion? But Warstall ends an otherwise great peace by taking a jab at fiat money because it only has value because we all value it. Tim, really? So that was his argument. He says fiat money only has value because we all value it. Well, value is in the eye of the beholder. Even gold. If you're dying of thirst in the desert and you have a pouch filled with gold and somebody has three ounces of water, you will give them that gold for their three ounces of water. So... There is no such thing as intrinsic value. Value is in the eye of the beholder. It has value because we value it. So I asked Tim, I mean, really? You had a great piece and you, you had to go and put that at the end of it? So Tim Worstall, the author of the piece, responded to me. He wrote, it cost the Federal Reserve 20 cents in ink and paper to make a $100 bill. Why do we accept it as being worth $100? Simply because we all agree that it's worth $100. There is nothing odd in that observation at all. The Federal Reserve itself would agree with this. So then another reader, a Richard Peets, P-E-E-T-S, responded and took the author's side, Tim Warstall. And it said, well, it's not like Tim's wrong. Paper money is worth something because we agree that it's worth something. Once that belief goes away, so does the value. So then I responded, rather to Tim, I responded to Richard Peets. And I wrote, hi, Richard. Gold is worth something. And typically these folks who don't like fiat money, they want gold-backed currency. They want to bring back gold certificates so that you can take your $20 gold certificate to the bank and they could give you the equivalent in gold. So at any rate, or something like that. So I wrote, hi Richard, gold is worth something because we agree that it is worth something. If an idea, or a currency for that matter, has a problem, it'll take more than a tautology to demonstrate that problem. In other words, I'm saying they're they're making a tautology. By saying it's worth something because we say it's worth something, that's not telling us anything. You can't make that observation and use it as an argument against anything because it's just a tautology. So then I added, I spent a decade on the air when the topic came up opposing fiat money. I'm Bob and you live, I did. Then, after a year's focused study, I retracted my arguments, and also, by the way, a book. I had those arguments in a book, and I retracted that. You may want to Google the sentence that may be the best ever definition of money. That is, Google, quote, money is the accounting of transferable, incomplete transactions, unquote. For if that's what money really is, if money is the accounting of transferable, incomplete transactions, then fiat money can be efficient and highly effective. So Tim Warstall, the author of the piece at Forbes, came back and he quoted that definition that I provided. By the way, if anyone Googles that, they'll come to our article at KGOV.com, What is Money? And we present the definition money is the accounting of transferable, incomplete transactions. So the author, Tim Warstall, quotes that, a very short comment, and he puts in quotes, money is the accounting of transferable, incomplete transactions. That certainly is one of the things that money is. And fiat money is indeed an efficient manner of doing that. But it still depends upon the suspension of disbelief for it to work that way so then others began to comment and there's one guy named Dave Dave and Dave Dave took issue with Warstall and he said look it has nothing to do with the suspension of disbelief and so then I responded again to Tim this is the last quote I see we get a caller from Wisconsin. That's cool. So this is the last comment that I'll share with you. It's addressed to Tim, the author of the piece. And I wrote, Tim, first, it's an honor to interact with you. And it really is. And on the Internet, I'd like to take the time to thank people who I'm disagreeing with for interacting. And he's a fellow at the Adam Smith Institute. I mean, it is an honor to interact with Tim Warstall. So I wrote, first, it's an honor to interact with you, Tim. Secondly, ever since Honey Boo Boo and the UN's Boutros Boutros, I'm not big on reduplicated names. But I have to agree with Dave Dave here in his comment when he wrote this. I really don't think there's any suspension of disbelief involved. And I said, Tim, when you purchase a portrait for more than the cost of the canvas and the paint, that does not involve the suspension of disbelief. It's not as though the portrait is only worth what the canvas and the paint costs. I said, that's no more involved with the suspension of disbelief than using fiat currency. Obviously, you've thought long and hard about such things, but you owe it to yourself to put more effort into this one. And so there are more comments that are relevant, but I'll leave it there for now, it, partly because, how fun, we've got to call Daryl from Wisconsin. Daryl, welcome to Bob and Yurt Live.
1: Hi, Bob.
0: Hey, howdy, what's up?
1: Hey Bob, uh, yesterday you took a couple calls, and, and yeah. so I just thought I'd call in too.
0: Well, I'm I'm thrilled that you did. Welcome.
1: Hey, did you hear about the comments that George Stephanopoulos' daughter made about Trump, the Trump election?
0: Well, let's see. His daughter, uh, Stephanopoulos, is a long time left wing hack. We call him uh, "just stop annoying us." Or George, step on all of us. How old's his daughter? I've not heard. How old is his daughter? 14
1: years. She's 14 years old. And her mom is an actress and comedian. All right. And her mom was on The View, you know, that bastion of conservative talk, (laughs) The View.
0: Right. Daytime, women's TV, politics, and all things immoral.
1: Right. And so she's talking about, they're all talking about how Frightened people are because of Trump's in the White House and they should all be scared. Right. And and she was relating that her 14-year-old daughter, when she heard Trump won, she goes, No abortions!
0: Oh, brother. So that's the first thing she thought, which is totally false, right? Liberals are devastated for all the opposite reasons of why they should be upset.
1: Right. And, and, Trump- and her mom even was... Uh, you know, reacted to that as saying, "Hey, you're fourteen year olds, fourteen years old. You haven't even kissed a boy yet." You know,
0: how does their mom know? Their daughter might have gone for an abortion, a Planned Parenthood from the public school. They take Great
1: point, Bob. They
0: take the girls out of class to Planned Parenthood to have an abortion, and they bring them back, and the the parents don't even know their child had invasive elective surgery. And if you want to get an aspirin at a public school, you need your parents' permission, but to have an operation, they do it without your knowledge.
1: Yeah, even then you can't carry the aspirin around with you, you know. Oh right. They might they might allow you to have the morning after pill though without.
0: Oh I'm sure I'm sure you're absolutely right. Yeah, in fact they pop those like candy on the playground
1: it It is amazing that, that I don't think I've ever experienced this kind of irrational fear hmm. as, as a result of a presidential election.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And the fact that Donald Trump is pro-abortion. He's been his whole yeah. life. Even during yeah. the campaign, he talked about wanting to continue to fund Planned Parenthood for all the good things they do. And they do more good things, way more good things than bad things according to Trump. So at any rate, yeah, it's all a joke. He rejects that the baby has a right to life, and he's going to stack the U.S. Supreme Court with justices who are pro-abortion, like he is, who reject the baby's right to life for another 25 years, if everything continues as is. And that's uh, thanks to was, Focus on the Family they, and all those. Yeah, go ahead, Watt.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that... that you know, for the Republicans, you know, the sky is falling if Hillary gets elected. Right. And for the Democrats, the sky is falling if Trump gets elected. Right. And and what we get is the status quo either way.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be, I mean, it, uh, it's always astounding to watch, and it's tra- tragic. It's like watching a train wreck or a crash on the interstate, but it it will be astounding to watch, and... We'll report on it, so that people could consider what God says about these issues from His Word, and then strengthen your own walk with the Lord and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: You know, another thing I wanted to talk about, Bob Glenn Beck. Yeah. Lately, has been he's been like in this paranoia about generals getting. Appointed or former generals getting appointed yeah. to to leadership positions. Yeah, Trump especially cabin. homeland security.
0: Oh right, yeah, yeah. You what know, would a general? Would, why would you?
1: Why would you want a general
0: why defending would you, our country? Why would you ever? It's it's all it's all a distraction from what is important. And thank you for bringing this up, Darrell, Even though I'm so sick of it because 24 seven news, cable news, and talk radio has turned politics into today's soap opera, where everyone is obsessed to find out what's the latest, who's mad at who, who's got a relationship with who, who broke up with who, who's getting back together. And it's all an obsession and a distraction from what is important from the truth. But so at any rate, there's this obsession with Trump's cabinet, which is hysterical. And then these claims that, you know, a general is, is not qualified. Well, how about General Eisenhower? How about King David? I mean, when, and who did you say? This is Glenn Beck, right, complaining about this? Right, right. Beck you as...
1: Know, they're all upset with the, you know, the posse comitatus kind of thing. And yeah. that, that if you have generals in charge, they're going to take over the country, you know? Yeah,
0: right. So Glenn Beck is a Mormon. He doesn't have enough of a foundation to make substantive comments on the news of the day. I I think just yesterday he was complaining that when we play songs, when we sing songs, we sing all the wrong verses. And that's such Uh. a typical, meaningless Glenn Beck type of waste of airtime. But all right, we're almost out of time. Anything else, Daryl?
1: Hey, did you hear that? The rookies in Major League Baseball can't be forced to wear dresses anymore.
0: Wait, wait a minute. I didn't know Major League Baseball rookies were forced to wear dresses. That's like some well, kind of one hazing. Well,
1: a time-honored tradition, is a very silly one, in Major League Baseball is that there's a rookie hazing where the veterans, at least one day on a road trip, they force all of the rookies to wear Women's clothing dressing up like snow white. I had never like that.
0: I'd never heard of that. I'm glad they ended it. It's embarrassing, it's weird, but I bet you the Liberals are mad about that for all the wrong reasons.
1: Oh, sure they are.
0: Like for example, they, they'd say they're making fun of transvestites by punishing men to make them dress like women. But anyway, we're out of time. Hey Daryl, thank you so much for calling in. May God bless you. Hey, Spotify, Thanks for listening. Make sure to visit our website, kgovkgov.com. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the program. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and tell a friend about us or share the link. We'd really appreciate it. This is Bob Enyart for KGOV.com. May God bless you.